This here is a little afterthought on my cultural appropriation reflection that I published not so long ago because I recently saw this uh, little um, program from the Al Jazeera TV channel uh, that addressed the use of white sage sage for incense in online spaces uh, for purifying, I believe it's called smudging, something like that. Apparently, this has become this huge global online thing uh, and you find it even in my local hippie shop here in Copenhagen, you know, in a location that's literally half a planet away from the natural habitat of white sage. And there are some indigenous groups who do this. And they do feel that, one, their traditional practice is being ridiculed by this narcissist online TikTok carnival. And two, while this important plant relation of theirs is being totally overrun by international consumerism and businesses who are sending illegal migrant workers into natural reserves to poach huge, huge quantities of this plant for the international market and so on. Like, so I just need to say that, you know, it has to be absolutely clear that those question marks that I raised about trends in cultural appropriation should not be taken as an alibi for disrespectful behavior towards someone's tradition. Like, that, that should be very clearly stated. My, in fact, my immediate intuition when I saw that stuff was to respond to the sage issue by making a video about the Nordic equivalence of exactly this way of using incense. And there's actually quite a lot to take from. There are specific plants you know, whose smoke has a wonderful smell and you know, sometimes they will even have popular names that has the word incense in it. So it's an incense plant and it can be used for preparing spaces for ceremony or purifying harmful influences and or different, different leaves can be combined together to create an effect in different purposes and so on. But then I hesitated because I'm often a little bit unsure of what kinds of knowledge that it makes sense to bring into this online carnival of you know, hippie influences and so on. Uh, there's, a, there's a line somewhere, you know, when demonstrating a ritual pra practice online actually reflects negatively back into the practice and deflates it. And I'm often unsure when that line is crossed and, and I regularly have my doubts about whether it's advisable to, to, to put stuff online. But you can look for it yourself, it's there. You don't have to participate in this ridiculous and harmful consumerist circus, which has landed on these native people over there. Uh, for instance, uh, I have a good friend, uh, Maria Jacobsen, from Hüllemorshave, that would be Elder Mother's Garden, something like that, who is a plant knowledge keeper. And I'm sure that she knows these things and she teaches it, you know, you can go there and learn from her. And perhaps she's even less paranoid than me when it comes to, you know, uh, putting stuff online of, of this sort. And there are probably other people like her. But I also want to uh, add, by the way, a different and I think overlooked and important perspective to this story here, which 
I see because I communicate with a lot of Eurodescendant people who are perhaps attracted to my uh, work and uh, who are often thinking with and thinking about animist knowledge and traditional practice and how to come into respectful relation with the land where they live. I very often interact, for instance, with white people who are in, as far as I can see, very respectful ways engaging kinds of indigenous knowledge or cultural elements that is appropriate to their place, uh, their place, perhaps elements that they have received in fully legitimate learning relation from indigenous elders. White people who are giving tobacco to local stones and the like, working with elements of this indigenous uh, practice. Now, they tell me that they do this because they are perhaps in a decade-long learning relation with an, an elder who's telling them to do this because that is the locally appropriate way of engaging the others that are particular to those spaces, those landscapes. And that makes a lot of sense from an animist perspective because animism is, is about relating to landscapes more than it is about seeking into your inner core for some essence or race or culture that will cathartically reveal some of your authentic identity to you or something like that. Um, and what these people are telling me is often something along the lines of, well, I'm doing this because I have been given this practice, this teaching, uh, and the point is to come into respectful relation with others, so I don't say it in public, uh, that I do it because one, I know that a lot of white people are not always being respectful about this kind of uh, transcultural exchange. And I don't want my practice to be in any way associated with that stuff. Uh, and two, I also can't deal with the hysteria of accusations that I will undoubtedly become the target of if I admit it in public. And three, being public about it is not the point anyway. The point is me coming into respectful relations, relation with others in that landscape. It doesn't really matter that I can't say, admit it openly, right? Uh, now, this kind of people will typically be keeping silent uh, about that kind of practice. And that means that we don't hear about it. That means that we are only hearing about all those ridiculous and abusive cases of white people being super extractive and culturally appropriating, like the cases that were sort of uh, portrayed in this recent Al Jazeera program. But these probably many Eurodescendant people who are coming into respectful relation with the land, they're not, their story is not being told. We don't get that story. And I think that is a little bit of a problem because we are then left with this very judgmental stereotype of white people as exclusively abusive. And this is not just a matter of that stereotyping being, you know, of course, factually incorrect and also kind of morally problematic. It's not just that. It is about a bigger thing. It is about safeguarding the real possibility of respectful, dynamic relation for a humanity which is predominantly in diaspora. We predominantly do not inhabit the same landscapes as our great-grandparents. 
That's also the case for many indigenous peoples, by the way. Insi we have to insist that intercultural relating cannot only be abusive, for instance, when it's done by white people. It, that idea simply cannot birth positive things into this world. Not only is it factually incorrect, I think it is a very dangerous stereotype to insist on in, in our time. So I just want to encourage first, you know, be unambiguously respectful about these traditions. Unambiguously respectful. But also perhaps start admitting to being in respectful relation with them in public. Don't go into the whole carnival of filming yourself dorking around in pseudo-rituals, you know, reduced to infantile online narcissism by, by the very fact that don't do that, don't do that, you know. But I think we have to start admitting and owning being in intercultural relation, particularly those of us who strive to, to do that in respectful ways. Uh, I don't know, perhaps some, somebody should make some hashtag you know, hashtag Finfara or hashtag relational or something like that, and, and, and start, start giving us that story too. Because I really think the world needs this story of positive relating. Thanks a lot and see you around.